What a wonderful, what a privilege to be able to be a part of that. Hey, Rob, are you still back there by any chance? And you guys are? Is anybody else with you? Could, do you guys mind coming out? That'd be all right? Just, okay. I'll tell you why. Here, You know, I, on Monday, you may not realize, but sometimes uh, creating an introduction for a sermon uh, takes more time than you might anticipate. It's, it's such a key part of a sermon. And the sermon's on love. And so Monday afternoon, I, I was working on the introduction and trying to come up with a good way. And, um, and then went to bed, went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I woke up with a song in my mind, okay? And so I ran downstairs, and I, I actually wrote it on a card in the dark. And uh, so, Rob, I thought it would be kind of, kind of fun. See how good you guys are, all right? Um, so the song is a Beatles song, all right? So how about we just do it like stump the band thing? All you need is love. So I'm just going to, you know, you think you guys, let's see what you guys can do. And I'll just step back and let you guys um. do it, all right? That's wrong. That's not, no. Uh, no, that's not it either. Let's try this. Ready? There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. No one you can make that can be made. No one you can say that can be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. Totally unrehearsed. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. All right, so I did, really, it's true. And uh, I don't know if you remember that song and pull up the lyrics. I did, pulled up. I mean, I loved that song when I was a kid and sang it all the time. Very catchy, you know. When you look at the, the actual lyrics of the song, the words, you realize there's like nothing there. You know? I mean, really, no substance to that song. It's not, and, I, and I thought to myself, and why I love that for today, is that I, I think in a way that song mirrors 
the confusion that a lot of people have today about what, what does it really mean to love another person? And I, I, think, it's, I think we'd all agree that that's, that's, that is something that's really important to know, to really understand. What, what is real love? What does it really mean to love somebody else? I, really, if there's any subject we'd want clarity on, I would think that would be it. And because of how much it impacts the lives of other people, especially those who are the closest to us. Now, we don't want to miss on this thing. And so, really, if you think about it, it's the kind of thing that you and I, do, we do not want to live in a fog. We, we, we want to make sure that we're not doing or saying something that, rather than loving another person, is actually bringing harm into their life. So, fortunately... Paul, in the 12th chapter of Romans, gives us clarity to this whole thing of love, what it really means to love another person. And, and, he, and he does it for us in a way that, that shows us, you know, very practically, in a very tangible way, how we can love somebody else so that we're better for it and they're better for it. And he begins this whole thing by giving to us a statement that defines what it is that he's pointing us to. He gives us a target. A, verse in, uh, a, a goal in verse 9 that, that points us to this thing that we should aim toward in our lives, and it's for each one of us to live a life of real love. And then he shows us how to achieve this in the 12 verses that follow. And, and, and you know, the title of this series is to be dedicated to. That's a title. And that's what we're talking about here. This is one of the things that you and I should be dedicated to in our life to live a life of real love. I thought about this, and, and I'm trying to guess what might be going on in your mind right now, and you read a statement like that, and you go, well, yes, yeah, Steve, you know, that's pretty obvious. You know, who wouldn't want to live a life of real love? But what is so great about this passage and the scripture that we're going to look at is it helps us understand what real love is. We might think we know. We might think that it's something that we want in our life, that we want to be that way. But what Paul does is he helps us understand what it's going to take to make it happen. And I think what, one of th what you might discover this morning is once we dig into these verses, you might find out that it's a whole lot more challenging than you thought. So he begins with a statement in verse 9. So love must be sincere. You know, uh, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, the New Testament. And so as Paul wrote this, it, in, in, the, in the language in which he wrote it, in Greek, it actually contained only two words. Very interesting. So this is how they would have read it back then. Love unhypocritical. Love unhypocritical. And what I'd like to do is just take a, a few minutes to talk through what each one of these words really mean when we're talking about real love so that we don't miss what Paul's saying. So first of all, the word love. You know, in, in English, we're a bit boring, maybe, in our language sometimes. And we have only one word for the word love, and we use it many different ways. For example, I love my wife, Becky. I love her a lot. And you've heard me also say here on more than, on, on, you know, more than once on a Sunday morning that I love 
lemon pie, right? So the question to ask is, does that mean that the, the level of emotion that I feel toward lemon pie is the same as what I feel toward Becky? Eh? Okay. Close. <laughs> all right. No. Okay. Not at all. Not a chance. Okay? I love lemon pie, but the love that I have for Becky is at such a different level that you can't even compare the two. That's what's happening here. The Apostle Paul uses, in, in the language in which he was writing in that day, he used the word for love that pointed to love at the deepest and the most costly level. It's a, it's a lo- it's, it's a word that was used in Scripture for the love that God has for each one of us in sending his Son to this earth to be our Savior. And so what we're talking about this morning as we talk about love is we're talking about love that has an immense cost to it, an immense cost. So the thing we all need to understand as we go into this this morning is this is going to cost me. This is going to cost me what we're talking about. Second word is the word unhypocritical. And it's saying, what that word is saying is that there's to be nothing that is, that, that's fake about our love. We're, there, there's to be no manipulation. There's to be none of this, you love me and then I'll love you kind of a thing going on. There's to be no pretense. There's to be no play acting. And so we put these two words together, love at its most costly level and love that doesn't have a bit of hypocrisy to it. And we're talking about love in the truest sense of the word. We're talking about what Paul is, it made in that, it was meant in that statement. Love must be sincere. We're talking about love that's real. We're talking about living a life of love. And so Paul's saying that's our target. That's our goal. And then he shows how to make this happen, how to actually achieve this kind of love in our life. Now, I, I just want to forewarn you, okay? you got to prepare yourself for what we're going to talk about this morning because it, it, if you want to live this kind of love, it's going to cost you big time and there's absolutely no way you can fake it. All right? So let's look at each one of these. First of all, for, for our love to be real, the first thing that we've got we've got to do is that we've got to be discerning. And so Paul makes this statement, and in, in, in the second half of verse 9, he said, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So there's two sides to this whole thing of being discerning. The first side is hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. Now, evil is sin. Evil is, is anything that separates us from God. Evil is, is anything that would bring harm to another person. And so Paul says, he, he said, we're, we're, to, we're, we're to hate this. And that literally means that we're to shrink from it. Paul's saying, don't even come close to evil. Stay as far away from it as you possibly can. For our love, to, for another person to be real... If it's genuine, we'll hate anything that will harm that person, whether it's emotionally or physically or spiritually. And so what this really means is two things for us. First of all, you don't allow anything in your own life that would pull another person down. A couple weeks ago in a a men's small group that I'm leading, one of the guys, and it just meant everything to me to hear him say this, 
as a result of his study that week, one of the things that God spoke into him was how absolutely important it was that he not bring anything into his own life that could potentially cause somebody else to stumble or to fall in their own life spiritually. That's what we're talking about. Number two, you don't look the other way when someone's headed down the wrong path. Loving another person isn't about making them happy by telling them what they want to hear. It's telling them what they need to hear. Now, don't misunderstand this. It's, it's absolutely important that you do this in a kind way, in a thoughtful way, in a considerate way. But that's what, that's what real love is. You know, I've had, I've had so many conversations in all my years of being a pastor where somebody said, you know, uh, Steve, I have, I have a friend who's just going down the wrong path right now. The things they're doing, it's just going to be disastrous for their life. And, and I've said, well, you know, my response was, what, have you had a conversation with them about this? And they said, no. I mean, this has happened many times. And I said, well, why not? Why, why haven't you talked to them? I mean, this is big. And he said, because I was afraid I would offend them. See, I, I think one of the mistakes that we make is we think that it's, it's more loving to, to not say something to somebody when they really need to hear it, when the, fa- when, when the opposite is really true. It's, th- that's not real love. That's not loving. It's, it's, it's the loving thing to do is speak the truth into somebody else's life. It's true in every relationship. But parents, it's especially true for us with our children. Yeah? I, I had someone just ask me the other day, you know, is it, is it all right to be a friend with, with your son or daughter, to be a friend with your children? I said, absolutely. There's, there's, that's what you want to do. You want to be a friend with your child. And, but, but the thing that you got to keep in mind is friendship doesn't mean that you, you just try to make your child happy. It doesn't mean you don't speak truth into your child. You don't stop being a parent to be a friend. And one of the biggest mistakes a parent can make is if friendship becomes more important to them than caring for their children the way they need to care. Okay? And I can just tell you from experience, that comes with cost sometimes. When you speak the truth into your child, and there's going to be times when you do that, they're absolutely convinced that you don't know what you're talking about. But you got to, you got to do it. And I, I can tell you that one of the most wonderful things that you can experience as a parent is when your child comes back to you eventually and they say to you, you know, I'm so thankful that you loved me that way, that you spoke truth into my life. The other side to this is for us to be discerning. And, and Paul tells us, he makes this statement, he said, cling to what is good. And, and this means that we're seeking the highest good for each person we know, which means two things. It means that you pursue the best, the highest standards in your own life, and you point others to what's best for them. Now, remember, everybody, we're talking about this target, this goal of real love that, that we're to be pointing our own lives to. This, this is something that is not just going to happen by accident. We've got to be intentional about it. And if there's ever a place to be intentional, it's pursuing the absolute best for ourselves and for those whose lives 
we impact. There's a book I, I read years ago, and I'm reading it again right now. It was written by Henry Cloud, and I'd say it's a, it's a must-read book for everybody. It's just a short little book. It's kind of surprising because it's so short, you go like, wow. When you get into it, you realize how much is in it. The title of the book is Nine Things You Simply Must Do. And one of the chapters of that book has the title, Play the Movie Forward. Play the Movie Forward. And what he writes about is that he said, so often people make decisions in their life. They do things where they don't really think about where is it, it going to ultimately end up? How's it, you know, how's it ultimately going to make them the kind of person they'll end up being? And so he said, one of the things you got to do is like you got to play the movie of your life forward and go as far forward as you want to go, whether it's five years or ten years or to the very end of your life, and ask yourself the question, what kind of a person do I want to be? What, what do I want to happen in my life in the long term? And then you look at every decision you make, and you make those decisions according to where you want to end up. you got to be very intentional about this. You know, I, I really believe that being intentional about this kind of thing where we go for what is absolutely the best in our lives is one of the most important things we can do for ourselves, and it's definitely one of the most important things we can do for the people who are the closest to us and parents, especially for our children. And so we've got to really think this one through as parents. Really think about what it is that's got your attention these days for your son and for your daughter. I mean, think of what you're prioritizing in the lives of your children. Is, is it leading them to what is really the best for them? Really the best? Is it, is it leading them toward what will have the greatest and la most lasting value in their lives? And I've I just got to tell you, it means everything as a parent to reach that point in your child's life when they tell you that they're thankful that you did this, okay? So first thing for love to be real uh, is that it's got to be discerning. And second, love that's real values people. And Paul made two statements about this, and both of them are in verse 10. He said, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor one another above yourselves. I discovered a very interesting thing here on that first phrase, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And this is, I mean, this is where love becomes real. This is where it's costly and where you can't fake it. The, the word that's used here is a word that's used to describe the, the brotherly love part the love of a dad and mom for their, for their child. For, and you might even say especially that their infant child when it's a little baby. A kind of, of, of automatic, natural, uh, deep bond between them and that child. It's, it's the kind of love that's not discriminating. I mean, that, that little baby, uh, it's possible, might not be doing anything to make it lovable. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's he or she is wrecking havoc on their life, crying night and day, and there might be absolutely nothing cute about that little baby. They love them. 
or her. I'll never forget, years ago, a family member coming and visiting Becky and our, at our home, and they had just had a newborn son. And I'd never seen this little, little guy before. First time, he's just really, you know, very, very young. And I, I saw him, and I was just, there was just nothing cute about him. Nothing. And, I mean, it was like time stood still as I was searching for words. What can I say? It was like, you know, and everything. And, and, and all, all that I could say was, what a baby. I mean, that was, that was all I could say. But I tell you what, in the eyes of those parents, that was one good-looking little kid. You know, I'm going like, no, you know, it's not, okay? That's the kind of love Paul's talking about here. A family kind of a love. Parents loving their children. Children loving their parents. Brothers and sisters loving each other because they're family. Not because of how appealing the other person might be. Not because of what they do or don't do. So what Paul's saying by using this word is he's really saying real love goes beyond simply loving those who appeal to you. Fit your description of a a likable, lovable, interesting, and fun kind of a person to be, to be with. He, he's telling us real love, real love gets past the things that really do not matter. Now, let's be honest here, okay? I'm guessing that we all have people in our sphere of influence, in our, in our set of relationships. It, it might be in your family, it might be where you work, it might be in your neighborhood, it might be right here within, in, within this room right now. People who are part of Brookside Church, it might be that you've got some people who drive you crazy. Anybody have anybody? Like you're around them and you think, after you've talked to them for a little while, you think, I'm going to go insane. You know, they, they, they say things and you go, you know, after they say it, you kind of go like, what was that? What, what are they talking about? You, you, anybody have anybody like that? And you, you know, okay. See, real love ca- calls us to value this person. Not cross them off, not avoid them, not, not walk on the other side of the hallway, you know, when you see them coming. And, and, and wouldn't you say that's absolutely challenging? I mean, definitely add some teeth to what we're talking about when we talk about real love. You know, it's fun. That this 12th chapter that this is all in that we're talking about this morning, Jeff began the first sermon in this series dedicated to was off the first two verses, and Paul began by saying, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I think what we're talking about right here, this kind of a love, is where you want to crawl off the altar. You know, like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to love that person. Yeah. So that's the first half. Second half is honor one another above yourselves. And so, so let me ask you, how do you know when another person is honoring you above themselves? How do you know that? How do you know that? Turn to the person next to you and, and complete this sentence, all right? I'm honored when. I'm honored when. Okay, nearly. Just talk. I'll know you're doing it if you're talking. All right? Turn to the person next to you. I'm honored when. I'm honored when. All right? You're not... 
I need to hear a little bit more talking. I'm honored when. Okay. That one's pretty obvious, isn't it? You know when you're being honored by another person, right? When they respect you, the way in which they talk to you. I mean, that's one example, right? When they, when they really listen to you, they don't do all the talking. They, they're really, they want to know what's going on in your life, right? Well, when, when they let you go first, I mean, we could just think of one example after another, right? That's what Paul said is real love, when we're willing to honor somebody else above ourselves. The next one is, so, so first of all, real love then is discerning. Second, it values people. And the third one is, real love shares with those in need. And Paul makes this statement, verse 13. Uh, he said, share with God's people who are in need. Pursue hospitality. There, there are two connected sentences here, right? And the first one talks about uh, taking from what we have, and, and sharing it with somebody else who doesn't have what they need to have. Just very practical. Sharing with God's people who are in need. Sharing with God's people who are in need. That could be, uh, that could be uh, uh, sharing something they need physically. Sharing something they need emotionally, emotionally. Sharing something they need spiritually. This is one, one reason why I'm so passionate for as many people as possible to be a part of a small group. I mean, it helps make sure that nobody in this church is overlooked when they have a need in their life. I mean, just this last week, uh, Ron and Jerry Shope have been a part of Brookside for years. I mean, I, it goes back so far. And uh, they're part of a small group. And they had no idea how much their life would change this week. Jerry, they just got back from a, a, a trip out east. Uh, Ron and his son were driving in the car, and Jerry flew back. And Jerry uh, was feeling fine until the second half of the trip. She got out of the, uh, you know, out of the plane, walked into the airport here, got into a car with a neighbor, and she had a heart attack. And she died. Oh. And I, I, just, I just think of, you know, all the difference it's made for Ron and Jerry right now to be a part of a small group. And, and their small group is just surrounding them and loving them and giving them exactly, you know, giving Ron and his son and daughter exactly what they need right now. You know, I just got to... I got to thank you, Brookside. This is, this is one of the things you do so well, and I mean that so genuinely. I mean, just this last week, I got an email from somebody who said their, their whole view of church has changed dramatically be, through their experience here at Brookside as they've seen people care for each other and, and really be there for each other. The second, uh, the second uh, sentence, and it's only two words, pursue hospitality, adds a little bit more understanding to this. And what, what Paul is saying there is, don't pursue hospitality for yourself. Pursue hospitality for other people in your life. Now, what, the literal, literal meaning of that word hospitality, that whole thing might surprise you a little bit. What it really is saying is pursue loving strangers. Okay? 
And, and so Paul is saying, uh, pursue hospitality with people who aren't only in your circle of friendship. It's, it's getting out of, out of your comfort zone kind of a deal. It's, it's opening yourself, it's opening your home to people who are not so much like you, but who need what you can give. Uh, you know, we have a lot of sharing in our small group of guys and a couple weeks ago, one of the guys talked about how when he grew up as a kid in his home, his, there was all but always somebody who was not a direct part of their family that was living in their house. His mom and dad was all, they, they, were, they were always finding somebody who needed some real help in their life at, a, at that particular point in their life, and they invited them in to live in their home. And I'm going like, wow, you know. Talk about real love. That's real love. You don't fake that. It's, it's, and it's something that com, comes with a cost. And so bottom line, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look for ways to love someone who may not be able to give you anything back. He said, do this and you're doing what real love is. So real love is discerning. It values people. And then the last one is it shares with or, or the next one is it shares with those, uh, uh, well, sorry. It's discerning, it values people, it shares with those in need, and then the very last one is it does right when wrong. It does right when wrong. And if, and if there's any one of these you want to crawl off the altar, I'd say this is the one, okay? So here's what he writes. Verse 14, he said, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of, of, of everybody. And he said, if it is possible, as far as it, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is, is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So blessing, not cursing, Doing what's right, not taking revenge, and trusting God to do what's right. Right by you and right by the other person. And we're to do all of this knowing, knowing that it's really the only hope of bringing change in, in the person who's done wrong. And so Paul writes this in verse 20. And he said, on the contrary, okay, instead of doing, taking revenge and repaying, he said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I'll never forget, you know, years ago when I first read that, thinking to myself, well, that's not very nice. You know, like, take a bunch of hot coals and pour them on somebody's head? I mean, that's, that doesn't sound loving to me. Yeah, that's actually a metaphor for uh, bringing somebody to a point of humility and repentance. And so Paul is saying, you know, feed your enemy. Give him something to drink. And in doing that, you have the hope of bringing that person to repentance. I'd say that's pretty challenging. And then he, he finishes it off by saying, makes a statement in verse 21. He said, do not be overcome by evil. And this is kind of the bottom line, but overcome evil with good. 
I think this is probably one of the greatest challenges to loving other people. I mean, talk about the cost that's involved, and you absolutely cannot fake it. So let me ask you, um, anybody, anybody have someone like who Paul's talking about here, somebody who makes your life miserable, who's made your life hard, somebody who hates you, treats you wrong? Anybody? You, I think we've all had that kind of a person, right? You know, I can, I can think of some pretty nasty people, including Christians, that I, I didn't like much at all. I, I can think of people who, 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 who are just selfish and they're mean. Uh, they've done bad stuff to a whole bunch of people, including myself. And, and I'll tell you what my natural reaction is, everything in me. I want to do the things Paul said not to do. Uh, how about these three words? Curse. I want to curse them. I want to repay them. I want to revenge them. Take revenge. Any, anybody ever, ever feel that way? Yeah, okay. So I think we all need to hear what Paul wrote. Because what he said is absolutely right. And, 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 and it's when our love becomes real. It, it, it takes a lot of cost. We, we give up a lot doing that. But you know what? It's absolutely worth it. Okay? You see, when someone wrongs you deeply, you have a choice of doing one of two things. And both of them involve suffering. You could find a way to hurt them back, and they'll suffer. And do this, and evil, evil wins. Win, evil wins. You become a harder person, and it does absolutely nothing to make them see that they've done wrong. And all they'll do is then they, they might come back and repay you again, and then there's this vicious cycle that just keeps going down and down and down. Or the second thing you could do is forgive which means that you suffer, you bear the loss. And really, it, it, it's the only way that evil doesn't win. It's, it's the only way that you're going to stay a soft-hearted person, and it's the only way that the person who wronged you will see the wrong that they did. So, you know, I look at all that, and I, I think Paul, Paul was absolutely right. I think the Spirit of God was absolutely right in in what he said. I mean, this is what real love is, right? It's discerning. It values people. It shares with those in need. It does right when wrong. And um, it cares deeply. And that's one I didn't cover today because it's didn't have time. Okay? All right. Uh, let's pray. Okay? Let's pray. Father, um, I can only speak for myself here this morning. I'm challenged by, I read a scripture like this, and I look into my own heart, and everything in me goes, God, I need your help. If I'm going to have a love like this, if I'm going to have a love that's real, God, I can only do it by your grace and by your strength. And Father, I pray that for all of us. May we all live this way. In Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Well, I, you know, last week I was up here, and if you were here last Sunday, you heard me mention the financial need that we have, that we were $43,000 behind in our budget. And, and I just gave that to you as a point of 
information that, you know, we'd all do our part in helping us get back on track and stay on track. And the good news I have for you is, and this is what I love about this church, is that uh, two people uh, stood up and filled the gap. And uh, that Sunday, that last week, uh, gave a gift that was so large to our church that we are now in the black again, which is pretty awesome, pretty cool. I just praise God for that, for his faithfulness and for your faithfulness. Yeah, praise God, really, okay? Now, I say that, not that you'll say, great, let's, I'll wait for the next person, you know, with a big check. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. But I'm just so grateful to God, and that's been so true for Brookside through all the years. Um, you know, as you stand up and if you, as you leave this morning, uh, just to help you remember what we talked about, about loving, we just thought it'd be kind of fun to let you walk out with the All It Takes Is Love song in your brain. All right? Great.